So really quickly, if you don't want your picture taken for my personal phone, just cover your face because I need, I need this for a minute. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. This is a reminder to me uh, because on the way over here, I said, I wonder how many people over 20 will be here to worship this morning. And we got more people than we ever. Okay. So anyway, I just wanted to take that as a reminder for my own you know, humility that maybe people like to worship. Okay. Merry Christmas. How many of you are wearing something you opened two hours ago? I love you guys. Yes. I also am wearing new pants that I bought for myself. Okay. All right. Uh, so when I was a, when I was a kid, um, there were just a couple of handfuls of channels on the television to begin with. And you had to sit in front of the television to turn the knob. Um, and of those channels, you know, your, your, your mother would be like, don't sit too close to the TV. But at the same time, you had to reach it, you know, like, so it was a constant battle in our home. But um, of those two dozen channels that worked, you know, there were only a couple of them where I was permitted as a seven, eight-year-old to actually watch. And, and then in restricted hours and then under, therefore, restricted programming, right? And I had a lot of difficulty navigating my parents' rules about what was permitted and what was not, right? So for some reason, hee-haw was, was acceptable. Uh, I'm so glad I'm hitting the generations. Um, the Dukes of Hazard was allowed, but not the Incredible Hulk. You know, like, tell me which movie I would take Luke to go see this afternoon, The Incredible Hulk or a rerun of Dukes of Hazard? Okay, it would totally be a great. So I, I didn't really know. But there was a show that didn't come on weekly. It came on from, from time to time, and it was a television called Ripley's Believe It or Not. Okay, you might you might remember this show. It's long gone, but the in, but the um, but the company is not. Um, they have published lots of books. Uh, they have entertainment museum. How many of you have been to an entertainment museum of Ripley's? Believe it or not. Okay, the same people who put on new clothes this morning. That's great. <laughs> all right. Yes. So there's one in Gatlinburg. There's one in Orlando. There's one in all the tourist places: Atlantic City, Myrtle Beach, probably in Branson just because I've said everything except Branson, so I'm saying Branson, um, that, that it's there. And if you go, if you go into a, a Ripley's, believe it or not, first of all, you're a little scared because they make the architecture look like the building's going to fall apart. It's kind of leaning to one side like there's an earthquake. But you'll find all these scientific and cultural curiosities that are in there, like a, a genuine shrunken human head um, is in there. There's a Hogwarts castle, for those of you that are Harry Potter, made of matchsticks because you could do that. Um, they're just all these things that you wouldn't believe are real unless you had the chance to actually see them. Hence the name, believe it or not, right? So I thought about that uh, when uh, reflecting on the passage that, that Mike just read from Luke 2, which is what we're going to look at very quickly in our sermon today, verses 8 through 20. So Mike read the portion about the shepherds and and here they are in verse 8. They're, they're staying out in the fields. They're keeping watch overnight. Luke 2, verse 9. An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. As we're reading the rest of this, would you just kind of mark in your Bible the things that are a little unusual? Okay? The angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with this angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors. And when the angels left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart, meditating on them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd seen and heard, which they had just been told. Okay, so there's the story. Now, if in God's sovereignty, you had been born some 2,000 years ago and living in or around the village of Bethlehem, and you happened to come across this group of shepherds who told you this story that we just read, no one would blame you if you said, well, I'd have to see it to believe it. And there are two reasons why you might say that. First, let's consider the source. We're talking about shepherds here. Okay? So the shepherds that Luke mentioned lived in the wilderness, and they lived very nomadically. They wandered around in the wilderness. And here they just happened to be in the Jerusalem and Bethlehem area because the rules at this time required that flocks in this area were to be raised for temple sacrifice. So it's no surprise they were there. But as a class of people, shepherds were bad dudes, okay? Daddies did not let their daughters date shepherds. Their jobs kept them from practicing religious and ceremonial laws, so they were unclean and unclean, if you know what I mean. Their roaming to and fro all across the countryside often led them to confuse that anything they came across was theirs. You know what I mean? It's like the uncle had visits once a year and just takes over the kitchen because you're family, right? Like that's the way shepherds thought about anywhere they went, okay? Because they lived anywhere and everywhere. Um, they were considered so unreliable that they were not allowed to testify in court. You could kill another human being right in front of 10 shepherds and the judge wouldn't ask them what they saw because they were shepherds. They just assumed they lied, okay? So shepherds who were socially stiff-armed, who were notoriously unreliable, who were religiously unclean, had you come across a group of shepherds telling you that they just heard a message from God, no one would doubt you or question you for saying, guys, I'd have to see it to believe it. Then again, it might not even matter who was telling you this story because the facts are pretty crazy. There's an angel and there are still shepherds that are alive to talk about seeing an angel, which is very unusual if you've read anything about angels through the Bible, because whenever you see a Bible, an, an angel in the Bible, it usually does not go well for you. Um, and yet here are shepherds, of all people, talking about how terrified they were to see and hear a direct word from an angel. That's weird. And not just one angel. Thousands of angels, right? A host. There's an, literally an army 
of angels. And if it rarely went well for somebody in the Bible to see one angel, it never went well for someone who saw a whole bunch of angels, an army of angels. Yet here are these shepherds, of all people, talking about how terrified they were when not one, but thousands of angels showed up in their fields and in the skies over them. So there's that. And only this army of angels isn't there to do what armies of angels do. Okay? This army of angels are the choir boys. They're not there to bring peace through strength. They're there to sing about peace. Almost as if peace was already certain. So all they have to do is sing about it. And the message from the angel itself all but defies belief. If you think about the message, think about it. Are we to believe that after 400 years of silence, God has finally spoken? Are we to believe that after all those years of silence, God has spoken to a shepherd? Are we to believe that after all these years of silence, He's spoken to a group of shepherds about the actual Messiah being born? Are we to believe that after 400 years of silence, God is saying that the Messiah has been born to a family who's so poor and so isolated that they can't afford clothes, they have no family to stay with, and they have no decent place to stay when she's giving birth. Are we to believe all of that? No one, no one would question you if you said, guys, I'd have to see it and hear it to believe it. But the story the shepherds told was so amazing And so unusual, many did indeed find it hard to believe. We've been going through the book of Matthew on Sunday mornings here, and we're right in the middle, starting picking back up Monday, or Sunday. Not church on Monday, Sunday. Okay. And we're going to see Mary right now is pondering all those things in her heart. But you know what she's doing next Sunday when Jesus is 32 years old and, and he's going around? Yes, microphone, thank you, praise be. I'm sorry, like just dehydrated as it is. Okay. You know what she's doing? She's outside with the Pharisees going, y'all, I think my son is crazy. She's doubting. She has no belief in who Jesus is and what he's done. Okay? Some people, like Mary, would say, this is crazy. And some people would hear the shepherds and they'd be like, well, I mean, what an experience. It wouldn't fall on them as anything they had to respond to. How interesting. But I don't need anybody to save me, especially a poor baby. Okay? But others, as this story was told, not just by the shepherds, but others, would hear this and go, Yes! Jesus is the promised one that God promised to send to us long ago. And they believed it. And they gave their lives to the realized hope of who he is and what he was going to do as best as they understood it at that time. They heard those facts from those people and they said, I believe it. I believe it. Which is why we were all here this morning because we heard those stories and we heard those facts and we said, that sounds like God working to me. That's what it sounds like. And not just those stories, but the life that he lived, the miracles he performed, the things that he taught, the life that he gave, the wrath of God that he took, the resurrection of his body out of the tomb, and the ascension into heaven to reign at the right hand of God. We believe all of those things, and we say to those things, 
Yes, I believe those things. And that's the choice we have. When we hear the astonishing news that God became a baby and that he's the only Savior, if you'll notice from the text, the angel had a good message for who? All the people. All the ethnos. All the people of all, not just the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. And our reaction to this astonishing news is the most important reaction you can have. You can shrug your shoulders in disbelief, or you can bend your knee and believe in your heart. 